Ladies and gentlemen, what's good, y'all? It's Chris Gary, Steve to the Junk, Sandra Benjamin. You tuned in for yet another Bellator edition of the We All Rising podcast, the show that normally talks about all things about the Rising Fighting Federation and Japanese mixed martial arts, Japanese pop culture, or just us shooting the shit. You can follow us on Twitter at Steve to the Junk. At Chris Gary92, at Abenja1, or through the show handle at We Are Rising Pod. And again, this is a special Bellator MMA edition of the We Are Rising Podcast, as we are here to talk about this weekend's Bellator double stack that's going to happen. Bellator 245, Davis Bruce Machida 2 on September 11th, and Bellator 246, Archuleta versus Mixed. I mean, Archuleta versus Mix, might I add, on September 12th. Both of these events will take place live from the bubble at the Mohegan Sun Arena in Uncasville, Connecticut. Both of these events will air live on the Paramount Network and The Zone at 10 Eastern, 7 Pacific for the main cards of both of these shows, with the prelims starting, obviously, at around 8 p.m. Eastern. 5 p.m. Pacific on the Bellator YouTube channel. But still, enough about all that. Steve, what's good? How are you doing? What's up, brother? How are you? I'm doing fine. I mean, run down some, we're here to run down some key fights on both of these cards. I mean, I'm glad you are joining us for this. And Andrew, you got a lot to say because you're going to be in the bubble trying to cover all this stuff, right? Oh, yes. Yes, yes, I will be. I'll be right there on press row with, like, maybe three or four other press people uh, on two on the day of 245 and 246 and doing uh, pre-interviews on uh, Wednesday with about, uh, I'll say about 60% of the fighters and then uh, do it, covering the weigh-ins as well for MMASucker.com. Now, let's go ahead and run down the fight card for Bellator 245, because even though it's eight fights, I think all of them have a little bit of interest in each of them. The first women's featherweight prelim, no, in the first women's featherweight fight, in the first fight on the prelims, the peacemaker Leslie Smith was 11-8 overall, 2-1 in the Bellator cage. We tend not to forget the fact that she fought in Bellator before she went to the UFC. She'll be facing off against Amanda the Lady Killer Bell, 7-6 overall. In a 140-pound catchweight bout, Killer Keith Lee, not limitless Keith Lee from the WWE, but Killer Keith Lee at 6-3 overall. will take on six bazillion standout Venetius Little Devil Johnny in the heavyweight class. Tyrell Fortune, one of Bellator's prized prospects at 8-1 overall, will take on the former badass motherfucker, now known as Jack the Outlaw May, 11-6 overall. In the late heavyweight class, at 205 pounds, former Bellator middleweight champion Rafael Blitz Carlisle, at 16-4 overall, will look to knock the easy out of Alex Polizzi, who was undefeated at 6-0. And Fresh into his Bellator debut against somebody who's an active grind and is looking to hold Bellator gold once again. 
Kat Zingano might get it if she wins. Look at where she's positioned. And you know what? That reminds me about the featherweight division. Considering the fact that you got Leslie Smith versus Amanda Bell, and you got Kat Zingano versus Gabrielle Holloway, I mean, what's the consider the fact that mm-hmm. the is going to be the number one contender to Chris Sutton? Yeah, I, I'm really surprised though if they do Cyborg and uh, like you said, Anger Fist. Um, I just think that's just like I'm not saying that, that that Anger Fist doesn't deserve it, but I'm looking at where Kat Zingano is positioned, and clearly she's a co-main event. I'm thinking that Bellator is expecting her to win her fight, and I would not be surprised if she was to get put over Anger Fist if she were to win her fight. Uh, in like some like immediate devastating fashion. I mean, you don't bring you don't bring somebody like Katzengano just to have her, you know, just on the roster. That's that's at least my feeling. Yeah, I agree with that that part of it. I, I think they'll they'll have her win more than just one give her a shot. Especially seeing as if you don't give Angerfield a shot, then she's fighting Julia Bryson again, a third fight. Think about this. Here's the opposite effect. What if Leslie Smith and Alpha Cats and Gano lose their respective fights to Amanda Bell and Gabrielle Holloway? Would you still book that fight? Oh, shit. Good question. I'm not sure. Probably. Yeah, I mean, I guess if they, if they either both win or both lose, you have to fight them. Both. In a way, I kind of. 
that does happen, I kind of like it when, when shit gets fucked up in, like, booking-wise. Like, when Zach Freeman beats Aaron Pico or uh, Clapel uh, beat uh, King Mo. I like it. Sometimes it's good when, when, when the pot is stirred. Or when Brent Primus defeated Michael Chandler in Primus's first fight in the promotion for the lightweight title. Exactly. Sometimes it's good when, when things get screwed up a little bit. You know, I'm not saying I don't. I think that Gabrielle Holloway owes. Uh, I think her. I think her uh, chances of being Castingano are are much much less than uh, Bell beating Smith though. I'll put it that way. That's fair. Yeah, and I love chaos myself, although I should say, Christian, I believe Simmons has already fought in Bellator. And he won that. Mm. Actually, I'm, I, a question I question for you, Teep, though. Why is Leslie Smith so so bad? So, I, I mean, presuming if, if this, you know, if this uh, topology uh, listing, card listing is correct, Leslie Smith is opening the prelims. That's a very, I don't know, is, does that seem odd to you that, you know, former UFC fighter... And, um, you know, I think she's fought for Bellator. How many times? Once, once or twice, I believe? I... This will be coming up her fourth time fighting in the promotion because she fought before she went to the UFC, and so far she's fought twice after the ah, UFC. Ah, gotcha. Is it, is it a little bit odd to put her on the opening prelims, presuming if this, if this is how the car is actually? I think, I, I don't know, I feel like that's really strange. I feel like it's... If, if that's not odd, that's got to be, like, an error on uh, Tapology's part. No, I mean, part of the thing is, like, okay, so they don't always have to, quote-unquote, like, a side for the prelim fights, but both where they're equally invested in either opponent, although there are many that are like them. But on this part, they're invested in one of the fighters in every, every fight. Think about it. You got Leslie Smith, that's probably, like, where they probably treat it as a high pickup. Coming in, he came in with Ike. Got Tyrell Fortune fighting. He's one of the fast five wrestlers. Got Calvaro, the ex champ, is fighting Ferrazzi. Believe me, he's, you know, I think 6 0 pro, 6 0 amateur. So he's coming up in the fight heavyweight division as a real. Got Raymond Daniels. Got Ed Root. So there's, you know, and then you got Machida and Davis. So, like, they're, they're investing in all of, all of those bouts. Some of them are like, we don't know who either you are, but you can fight on our cards to try to get a roster spot. So that's all it is. And since they've come back, they've kind of stacked up the cards by their community. Because normally you might have two or three fights for the both, both editors of these local games that are basically trying out to be on the roster. So this card's a little different, uh, which I love. Because each of these fights has something to watch. Even if some of the fights, like the guys, most of like Tyrell Fortune, I'm of the opinion that if he just wins, like just a, a win, you know, does more, that's breaking news, and he needs a highlight. Because he's expected to win that fight. They're not bringing in a 39-year-old, 6'8", heavyweight to have a close competitive fight with Tyrell Fortune, who is, you know, all nine of his fights. He's going to be plus
there's no name on either side. You look at the Raymond Real Deal Daniels versus Peter Stelonik fight. I really have to ask the question: Is Bellator kickboxing dead, or you know, Raymond Daniels just trying to get a few more fights in before he actually calls it a career? I mean, I, I don't want to sound. Well, I think they brought in a guy who doesn't have like the highest MMA pedigree, but I think he's coming off the wings and glory. So they they are trying to get a highlight out of Daniels. I don't. It's such a deep division and welterweight. I don't. I mean, they'd have to find a really advantageous stylistic matchup that doesn't involve his close friend MVP unless they want to pop up the money to get him anywhere near a title shot. It's not going to happen. So this is like, okay, two guys you can strike, let's get a highlight out of it. And that's the way I see the fight. I don't know if that's a testament to you or to really. But sometimes in a fight game, you know, you're just making sausage and making highlights. Some of the fights are like that. Like, there's no, no insult to Jack May, but he's brought in. Highlight here. Uh, you know, if he upsets him, and that's chaos, that's sweet chaos, and they can always work with that. Yeah. Certain fights, Daniels, unfortunately, they're expected to win their fights. Other fights, less so. You know, like Ruth fighting 5 1 Taylor Johnson, that's not like a given, even though he's more experienced, he's like more powerful prospect. You know, certain fights, you know, obviously, Pete and Dave is very competitive. In fact, let's get straight to that. What do you guys think is happening in fight? Oh, were you guys just talking? The Cheetah versus Davis fight? Yeah, man. Who do you think got that one? Hmm. Andrew, do you want to take this? Because you're going to go on the bubble and you're going to probably interview one of these guys. Well, actually, both of them, Christian. I'm going to actually have an opportunity to interview both of them. As for uh, who I think I win, um, I, ha I I can't remember if I saw their first fight in UFC, but apparently I was doing some research on it. Apparently it's a very controversial decision uh, for Phil Davis, apparently. I think that's how it went. Phil Davis won the yep. first one. Um, you know, it's a tough. Um, but I'm probably going to have to side with Phil Davis on this. Um... I think that Phil Davis, I think he's just, I think I think out of the two, the two fighters out of the two, I think that I seen Mr. Wonderful. He gets better every time he loses, if that makes sense. I feel like Machida is on a downturn. I think he's kind of just, I guess, coasting. I mean, basically, what you're trying to say is Phil Davis isn't losing; he's learning. So oh yeah, yeah. So like, whenever he seems to lose a fight, he'll he'll like he he's never been on a losing streak. I think Lido Machida was on a losing streak maybe a few years ago and near the end of his uh, UFC run. But whenever whenever Phil Davis loses, he always seems to come back better than he did in his previous loss. Uh, I, that's that's my impression of him as a fighter that he always just seems to just get better. Um, and I don't think the you know with how he's been doing Bellator, he's been he's honestly looked like great. Uh, you know, finishing Carl Albertson and uh William McGeary. Uh beating him twice actually. Uh so yeah, I think that definitely uh I think I have to definitely side Phil Davis on this one. Well will it be a finish? I don't know. But I could I, I would if I were to bet, if I was to go to mybookie.com, if they ever want to sponsor us, uh, I would put my money on Phil Mr. Wonderful Davis. 
Shida was good when MMA was at its when it was around at its time. He had a very odd style. He had you know his his stances, his the way he would he would he would uh, in his in his stand up would throw people off all the time because you just didn't know if he was gonna kick, he was gonna punch. He do his his weird you know. He, I think he was one of the I think he was one of the first. MMA fighters who I recall who would switch stances constantly, if I remember correctly. Um, and yeah, I, you know, I think he's just, I think though that the problem is that the sport is evolved, but he has not. I think he's, I think he's been kind of fighting the same fight uh, since, you know, since those jungle fight days. I really do. I don't think he's really has changed his. The way he fights, or or his just the yeah, I, I don't think he's really changed that much, and I think that's why he's lost fights that he should have won, because opponents figure him out. Also, I don't think his chin is as he used to be able to take a punch. Um, it's been a, you know I don't know Phil Davis isn't exactly knockout king, but I think in the stand up, I think that Phil Davis probably wins on this. Um, I don't know if he'll knock him out though. I don't I don't think so. I think that Machida is probably going to knock out Davis because if it goes straight to a decision, and of course, about Bellator, they still do three five-minute round main events because they never even bothered doing an event to buy them before, and that's for all the right reasons. But still, if it goes straight to a decision, I think that, that Davis might win that fight. So I think when it comes down to in the distance, I think that Machida's going to be the one to have his hand raised after finishing Davis off. What about you, T? What do you think? I think, you know, the softball body kick, the body with Davis. Davis. He has a second move and he does a lot. I just like to throw like the slower right to the left foot. I think Machida has opportunities to 
Uh, that's easy for me, Zingano. <laughs> Z easy, easy, easy for me, Zingano and uh, Roof. Make sure to ask that. I'm really curious, you know, because like you said, yeah, I was when I saw this was at 185. I'm like, here's I don't know if it's a catch weight. I is it is it 185 like, like on on the middle or is it like a catch weight? Oh, ah, okay. I mean, you know, he did. You know, he did have the. He did uh, lose the Amazov, and he that Jackson fight was a. I know he won, but it was a very close fight, and he could have lost that as well. So I don't know. Maybe he's thinking that welterweight is just. Uh, maybe he's having like, hey, maybe if I do the whole move up thing, maybe it'll be a better. I'll I'll be a bigger fish in a smaller pond or type thing. I don't know. Uh, the other question I have is uh, for, for you, Teep, is why does Raymond Daniels fight so infrequently? Why is this only his, I think, isn't this his, isn't this his third MMA fight? Or his second? Fourth. Fourth, okay. This is going to be his third MMA fight. What? twice already into a cage, and he fought once in strike, you know, around the time that he started fighting for Chuck Norris's World Combat League. Okay. Yeah, Because after that, uh, that, um, uh, the, uh, the famous, uh, uh, I don't know, whatever it was, kick that, uh, Bellator loves replay, um, I, you know, whatever, you know, the, 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 not the kick, but the, uh, uh, roundhouse into the punch, um. Oh, you mean the fight he had against Bull 
Like if I, you know, if I was Scott Coker, if I saw that, I would immediately have gone to God and be like, "When, when, when can you fight again?" Because whenever you get a highlight reel like that, that's something you gotta capitalize on. And yeah, he may not want, he may, he may think, he may not want to fight as much or just stick to kickboxing. But I would be like, dude, let's try that. Let's try this MMA thing, because. I think the match to make Raymond Daniels at some point, I don't know if you agree with this at all, would be Raymond Daniels versus MVP. That is a fight. Oh, they are close. Oh, yeah, I think you mentioned that. Okay. Yeah, I for- oh, I forgot that. Absolutely. I, I... sakes he does because Bellator really has they really see something in him not saying that there's anything that they're wrong in thinking that but they see but they think that there's something behind this guy and if he loses again uh Jack May Jack May you know that's not an easy fight I'm just gonna tell you that right now Jack May is not an easy fight I've seen him fight before and uh he was in PFL and um he was in UFC but I don't remember his UFC run but I, I saw him in PFL he you know he you know it's you know Okay, you know, it's one of those fights where it should end in a knockout. It should end in a knockout in the first round. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna, I would pick Fortune. I would I would pick Fortune in this. But you know, if if he gets knocked out again, I don't I don't know. Scott Coker might just have to have the uh might have to have the uh Brendan Schwab talk with him. You know, <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. Thank you. 
would, would you agree, Teep, that out of all the Bellator divisions, would you say that probably, I mean, other than flyweight, I mean, and uh, you know, which seems to be very a sporadic division in Bellator, but in terms of the ones that has a number of fighters, would you say that heavyweights probably actually, I would say, the weakest in terms of just overall talent? I'll tell you this as well, um, and I got a lot of shit on on R slash MMA when I mention this. There are darts players who make more than a lot of those fighters as well. I don't know why I don't know why I got a lot of shit for that. I mean, I know I know professional darts players, and they tell me how much they make, and it's like you get you make that much throwing darts, and it's true, you know. I don't know I don't know why I don't know why I got people so angry. I mean, it's like it's one of those things that like I just don't get about MMA fans when like you just mention like oh other sports they get paid more money, you know, like oh like if like if you're in in the drum line. You may you, you make more than a you uh, like an MMA fighter, and it's like I don't know why they get people so angry. It's, it's one of those it weird reminds, things. It reminds people often in MMA, especially in leftovers, that's where you finish their wrestling career. Yeah, you know, like we rely on other. Mm-hmm. 
and every now and again, big fights break the We have to just accept it. So when you bring it up to people, to remind them how many options people have more money than entry-level fighters, which is like it's powerful. No one comes in as a top pay. It's not unless you're like Lesnar. So people come in entry pay. If your entry pay is worse than almost anything else in sports, that's going to hurt the talent. Imagine if rugby, if the entire establishment of rugby converted to MMA, most of the top fighters would be rugby, former rugby players. Like where are the big mm-hmm. giant pitch? Run this giant pitch, have stamina, triathlete level stamina, but also rugged enough to slide with other manifold feet. Well, they're playing rugby where they make better money. There's a more positive vibe, and there's, there's, there's national statistics and stuff like that's why we're like, Mark Hines, you know, he's, he's from that from that rugby stuff in MMA. There's tons of guys stuff like that. The rugby legends are some of the hardest men in history. Why would they come into a bullshit based on in a freak show? You know, it's just how it is. I mean, I don't want to sound down on it, but fighting, you don't get to pick. You don't get to pick. We don't get to go to the NFL and pick the best pullback each of the fights. Why is he going to come in and build money? He's like, dude, my boosters in college gave me more money than that at the table. And you're offering me to actually train to be more But I remember in college, football teams, they all had new stuff. They didn't all come in and make money. Mm-hmm. Bitch alumni give them shit. Maybe now every few years, certain schools get hooked because they're all doing it all the time. That's probably how they get the college at their school. So anyway, but it doesn't mean we don't have great martial artists. It just means we're not pulling in a lot of technical athletes who are drawn to selling something that will make you rich. Because mm-hmm. your odds of becoming rich in MMA are tiny. Your odds of becoming poor are very high. You, know, you play in baseball, you play in MLB, and you're not stupid with your money. Just the fact that you made it to the major league, you're going to be like low-level rich. The worst player on the worst team, but they have a they have a collective bargaining agreement. There's a lot of a lot of money. You know the kind of money that stars need more than some of the stars making. Fucked up, fucked up, man. Thousands of other better sporting positions are fighting. So you don't forget what we get, but what we get is awesome because I, I think it's the best sport. It's not the best talent pool. My dad's a big rugby fan. I've watched a lot of rugby. Those, those are the, where all the heavyweights come from. The NFL, too, but like worldwide, you could get at the rugby talent pool. That's where you find the hardest men. You have the athleticism, the cardio. You know? Those aren't guys who gas out after five minutes. In a couple of those fights in rugby, you see those guys throw some real combination punches. Once in a while, these guys who can fight some of them. By the box. So anyway, I'm rambling. Yeah. Do the next Overall, though, uh, T-Bone. I was just, just about, I was just about to stop you, man, but. I just wanted to. Uh, you know, it was a pretty, uh, it was a pretty good rant you put on because basically <laughs> what you were trying to say was, you know, people need to stop worrying about how, what, you know, other sportsmen, other sports women make instead of worrying about fighting. You know? It just means they're underpaid. Fighters are underpaid for what 
Yeah, Tief, can you? Is there a way that you can uh, you could change uh, your uh, audio settings? You sound very muffled. Sounds like you're. you're it sounds like you're speaking through old timey radio.
and uh, so he's one of their. He might already be on an exclusive contract. They do that when the, when the guy's hot enough, they go ahead and snatch him up, get him in before a big fight. I'm pretty sure he might be one of those talents. He sure looked like it. Did you did you guys remember seeing it? It was like on some obscure prelims fight. It might have even been post lens actually. Now that I think about it. I mean, I don't think I remember seeing him, but I, I think I might have heard about it. Yeah, I remember seeing it, thinking, "Holy shit, I gotta remember this guy." So now they announced him again. I was very happy. And uh, Hilton upsetting Shafrov puts a little weight on the fight. You know, frankly, to beat Hilton, okay, so now he's in that, he's kind of in that prospect mix. Maybe ahead of his only, it would only be two wins at that point, but he might have the pull of someone with five or six wins as far as matchmaking. So that's good. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, let me ask you guys, what do you think of the, uh, the John Fitch, Neiman Gracie fight? Because this is actually one that I really wanted to see. And the winner is apparently fighting Yaroslav Dynamo Amazov, now 24-0, the pro, longest pro streak in the company, tied with Patchy Mix, the longest pro or amateur combined streak, which is 24. He's fighting Neiman Gracie, looked phenomenal, and gave Rory some, put, gave him pretty tough, he lost, clearly, but he gave him some tough times in that fight, and uh, beat Ed Roos, and looked really amazing, wanted to be on the ground, Fitch wants to take it there. What do you think? What just what the hell happens in this fight? Well, Andrew, your thoughts? Sorry, 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 sorry. I'm doing like a million things at once. That uh, uh, for Fitch, uh, I think Fitch, You know, I think this will be a grappling. I think Fitch. I think Fitch will grapple, but will grapple enough safely to try and not get and get not get submitted. I know he's been submitted before in the past, but I'm going to assume that he's at least prepared for that. So I think that I think he'll I think he'll out grapple Gracie, um, uh, I think he'll wrestle grapple Gracie, uh, and uh, I think I think that'll be a big problem for uh for for Neiman, uh, truthfully. I don't see this at all really standing, you know. I think on the stand up, I probably have to give the edge to Fitch, um, uh, not this, uh, but I think I think that this will, I think probably you know Fitch will Fitch him for uh. For, for three uh for three rounds I know it's odd you know saying that that someone's gonna out grapple Gracie but I mean this is John Fitch we're talking about John here's the thing John Fitch is probably the best the he's like he's like he was Kamara Usman before Kamara Usman was around and I think that I think that Fitch gets a lot of undue shit um is he the most exciting fighter no but the ways he wins are like he, the way he wins are are just fascinating. You know, just the way he can hold down people and all that stuff. It's, 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 actually, I take that back. It's not Kamar Usman. It was kind of like Khabib before Khabib, uh, uh, became, uh, became uh, in UFC or whatever. He, uh, the way that, that just Fitch is able to control people is just, it, it is, it is fascinating to watch if you, if you're into grappling, which I am. Um, and I think, I think that Fitch, he just, and he grapples in such a way that's just like, it's just like, how is he just doing this for three rounds, or sometimes five rounds even? In the uh, in the case of the, uh, I think the Roy McDonald fight was five rounds, right, Teep? Um, the championship match. Yes, I believe so. And yeah, Fitch is really quite remarkable. Cause also, and, yeah, uh, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I just want to get this one thought across. He never gets tired. He's just one of those guys who just always comes forward. Now the danger he he has been submitted before in the past, 
but I'm going to assume that, you know, and here's a, he is off on a long layoff, I'm correct, right? He hasn't fought since that Neiman Gracie fight, I think, right? Since the Royal fight, yes. Oh, yeah, so, and I know he was part of the Bellator, uh, the alternates for that tournament, um, and even showed up, uh, made weight, but didn't he, like, uh, didn't he, like, retire or something, or said he was retiring? Eventually, after a while, he was like, you know what, I do want to fight. And he said, the thing is, the man hasn't lost in any, I think 2014 was his last loss. He hasn't had a lot of fights. I've had him ranked at uh, number five in the division because he's been inactive, but he hasn't lost. And even though I don't really give credit for a draw, like I wasn't like, oh, he threw a draw. He hurt his rank. But I have just about daily, which is his last win. But that's the win that, you know, MVP. You know, without getting too deep into the ranking thing, Fitch is a remarkable person to be this competitive at that age. And stylistically, you know, he has a style where he's been able to maintain his, you know, his, his competitive ability into, you know, to where he's calling himself old man Fitch. But no one's like, yeah, you're old, you can lose. It's like, fuck, he made Rory look like a kid for large parts of that fight. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yeah, I have to... I, I, I'm just short, uh, short answer. I give it to Fitch. I think that Fitch will win this. Uh, whoever wants to go next, uh, you go ahead. You know what? You're all right. I think that Fitch is going to probably win this too. But just because of the fact that he has a shit ton of experience compared to Naaman. Even though, of course, Naaman has been near undefeated since he's been in Bellator. I don't think that he would be the right guy for the job to face off against Jaroslav Amosov. I think you need somebody like John Fitch with the experience that he has to give Jaroslav a tough test. And that's why I think that Fitch is going to grind out Gracie and get another boring decision victory. But it's going to be better for him to get that decision rather than, you know, Gracie Naaman to come in with his chest pumped out and then getting himself knocked out by Amazon. Yeah, that's an interesting point. I, I think Fitch does match up better with Amazon than Gracie would, but I'm actually picking Naaman to win this fight. I, I don't know why. I just, when I see the way they match up, the way Fitch like punch into the cage, but the way Gracie like enjoys it down there, very good at getting those angles that are hard for other guys. I think he might armbar Fitch. I don't know why I'm thinking that. It's such a stupid thing to think. But that's what I see happening. That's my prediction. Like maybe 55% Neiman submits Fitch. And then if it goes the distance, I, I would probably favor John. Because if he can't get a submission, he's going to be spending some time down there hunting for it, taking some light punishment. So if it goes the distance, I got Fitch. But, but I do think, I do think Neiman, uh, if he's fully healthy, Firing on all cylinders, he's going to take this one. So, what do you guys think about the? Uh, let's just jump to the main event. Let's just talk about this fucking fight because this is sweet as can be. We got Patchy Mix, 24 fights, 24 wins, 13 offense as a professional. Just a submission master. He's making guys look easy. He's just, and you guys can talk about this, this fight in Japan better than I can. Talk about how easy he made you look compared to how other people. Okay. Andrew, you want to talk about it? 
this first? So I, just, I, I, gotta, I gotta ask something about the. I'm assuming you talked about Archuleta and Mix, right? Um, guys? Yes, Archuleta versus Mix. One of the things I, I think, team, I think we talked about, I think, on the last show, uh, when we covered the other Bellator show, was. I think I think that was. I think I think was I think it was us. Um, God, it feels like we did that show it ages was ago. You and team, no me. Um, where we had talked about somebody moving up in weight. You know, if they, you know, what it does to, like, rankings and all that stuff. Do you recall that conversation that we had? Yeah, that's right. I was saying, like, fighters moving specifically up in weight. I don't even rank them in the division above who well, so they've had a fight. Question. In the case of Archuleta Mix, um, Archuleta mostly fights at featherweight. Um, and I believe, but I, I, don't, I don't know what his record is at bantamweight. Uh, but what about him losing against, uh... Just to play devil's advocate, what do you think about him getting the title fight, considering that he did lose at 145 uh, against uh, Patricio, and then he had one other win after that against Corrales, but in terms of, of, of Bantamweight, do you think he's deserving of, of getting that Bantamweight shot, considering, I don't know, what, what, whatever uh, his, uh, his, um, his, uh, his ranking is at Bantamweight? Champion of Bantamweight, proving he can make that weight. So it's not really like a big 
guy where you're like, well, how's he going to perform at the lower weight? We know he performs well at bench weight as a backup to having his ranking. There's not like as many question marks about him as someone who's never been there before. He was a regional champion there, and he recently beat the guy who was the guy at the time. But yeah, this is definitely the right fight. Patsy makes I have him ranked top of the division. Even though he only has 13 pro wins, you know, he has the long amateur streak, and he doesn't have any losses at all. So that goes a long way. So I have number one, Archuleta number two. But now if Archuleta loses, yeah, he's going to suffer ranking disruption in both divisions probably. Because he's just coming off the one loss, the one, I mean, the one we not win. You know, like, rankings just fluctuate a lot. They don't fight that often. It's not like an NFL season. You know, we have a bunch of games to rank by. You're only fighting one to three times a year. If you lose, that's a big hit. Then that's a game. Mm-hmm. The right, like, what do you guys think? Was this the right move? I think it was the right move because of the fact that if you think about it, these two have been making a hell of a lot of noise since Kyoji Horiguchi got injured. And since Darian Caldwell focused on the featherweight division, especially given the fact that Patchy Mix went into Ryzen and submitted the hell out of Yuki Motoya in about enough time it takes to get a fucking food, I mean, to get some food from the concession stand. <laughs> right. Yeah, let me ask you guys something. So was what he did to Motoya more impressive than him backpacking? Bandeas, considering the fight that Bandeas had with Archuleta, who we know is fantastic, which of those two wins is more astounding for Patrick Mix the way he won it? Oh, I think I think Christian, I think you both would, we both would agree that Matoya won was just because of how he won it, and so quickly. So who he who he was? Yeah, because Matoya had never been submitted up until that time. I think since maybe near the beginning of his career, if I remember correctly. And also because it was like one of those things that it's kind of like, it, it would be like, it's it's just one of those things that like, I thought that Mix was going to win, but I didn't think he was going to be able to submit Matoya. I figured he would, he would knock him out. Um, but the way, yeah, it's kind of, it's just like, it's, it's kind of more, it's like the way, it's kind of like if you, if you win, if you beat Rusimor Prohalis by heel hook or knee bar, you do something like that. So it's kind of like, wow. It's like the thing that the person is most known for and just like what they've always excelled at. And then they get, because also the, the choke is kind of his thing as well. The guillotine choke, uh, Matoya. That's kind of been his, uh, he's always been, uh, he's, he's always, he's won most of his fights by either rear naked or guillotine or some variation of a choke. So just seeing it happen. In the case of the Isaiah Chapman fight, via Suluev stretch. Oh, I know. Well, I, oh yes, uh, for uh, for Mix as well. Um, but yeah, it was just yeah, it was absolutely just the way, and also also the length of time that it happened. I definitely have to say. Um, as for, uh, I'm just gonna give my pick. I think that Mix will win this. I really do believe that Mix. I said this the minute I saw Mix, uh, that Bendez fight. I said. While I was watching that on uh, on YouTube at work, this guy is a future is a future champion in any in any major organization, and I think he will be the, I think he will be the Bellator bantamweight champion by the end of uh, by by the end of the weekend. I don't so know. You're how... basically saying that Patrick Mix is going to win this fight via submission. 
I don't even know if he'll listen. I, I, you know what? I'm, I, you know what? I might as well just go full on blast. Yeah, I think he'll, I think he'll submit Archuleta. I think I'm gonna say second round. I'm gonna say second round submission by, 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 by mix. Question, here's a big question I have for you, Teep, though. We've seen uh, Mix last, I don't know, like, barely, like, he, like the amount of, of, of cage time he's had at Bellator, you probably can count on one hand. But here's the thing. Archuleta is used to, the, this is going to be a five-rounder, right? The championship, right? Yep. Yeah. Five, so, five rounds. Here's the thing. Is it in Archuleta's best interest to drag this fight long? Because... I guess that Mix probably is planning to 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 finish quickly, but do you think it favors Archuleta as a as a fight goes on beyond the beyond the uh, into championship rounds? I think so. Yes, I mean I think the longer the fight is, Archuleta does have good stamina, and like in the simple fight, like toward the end of the fight, he looked like he was waning a little bit, but he was also a little bit hesitant. The Pitbull has the insanity. Power yeah. In that right hand, because you like you can't if you discount that that hand, you're going down. Like even if it's late in the fight, like it's always there. You know, same with his, same with little people snatching submissions and stuff. He's always ready to finish a fight if it's there. Not that it's always there. But I think um yeah, I think Archuleta is going to try and drag it in deep water. He's a lot of lateral movement, use in and out. But I do think, especially in a cage, it's going to be hard to stay away from Nick's not a small guy, and he's just so good at once they make contact and making that count, like he did it with McCoy, he did it with Bandeas, but once they made contact, he owned it, and, and it's a very, sort of like, a, almost like a spider, he's just all over it, and then, like, everything's opportunity, and so, that's a rare talent, I feel like, yeah, I, I do think he's gonna, I think, maybe even the first one, the nice and dry, he's gonna lock something in, we're all gonna be like, what the fuck? That's my prediction. First round. But uh, if it goes a distance, you know, that's not shocking. Archuleta's fantastic. Maybe he 
Texans are going to get out and win the division, but I don't think so. Because I, I know, I think this would probably be if this goes all five rounds. This probably would be Mix's. I think Mix's only decision win in Bellator, or his only decision uh, fight going the distance. Yeah, I'm not sure, but yeah, he's a he's a finishing machine, and but I don't know if it's because he throws his wad. I think it's just that his level of spatial awareness well, and the grappling things. But once he always makes it count. Yeah. Once some guys they get there and they like look at Cowboy. He took Gucci down in both of their fights early in the fight, and then was just kind of. You know, he had a burst in both fights where he could have finished it, and then he just kind of, like, settled in. Mix doesn't settle in. He's like, he goes A to B to C, and you never, he never lets you get back to A. Mm. Well, here's the other question I have as... Here's the other question I have as well. Um, I know that Mix... I don't know when Mix went back to training. He had his last fight in Ryzen last year. But I believe... And I believe he trains at Jack Jackson Winklejohn, if I'm correct, right? He just started training yeah. there recently, I think. I don't know how long. Probably it was definitely it was probably during his his, his Bellator run, run. I'm guessing uh, when he started with uh, Jackson Wink, if I'm if I'm correct. Um, yeah. When he came in versus Mandeus, they were telling they were saying Jackson. Okay, gotcha. Okay, I know that he went back to wherever he was in New York. I forgot which part of New York. Um, Webster, where the fuck it is. I know that he went back during when the pandemic thing happened, and I remember he wrote. I remember he wrote this because I follow him on social media. He wrote, you know, he wrote something along the lines of, you know, uh, uh stopping fight and uh, stop training for now. I'm gonna be with my family till this blows over or something like that. Do you remember seeing him post something like that? I don't remember, it, but yeah, that could, you know, if what you're saying is that could affect the fight if he has some real time off. Might be right. That might be a factor, um, but I don't know how long he's been back in camp. I don't know any of those details. Well, that's the thing, because like if he's if he is training at Jackson Winklejohn, presuming that he is at Jackson Winklejohn, that means he'd be going back to Nevada, staying in Nevada. Um, so I don't know. Like, I I, I just yeah, that's the, that's the one question I would like to know when he when he exactly went back. I need to find I need to find that uh. That post he made, because I remember I read it, I was like, oh wow, so this guy's not coming back uh, for a long time, potentially. Um, but uh, yeah, so yeah, I, I hope that. Uh, um, <laughs> so uh, I'm just I'm just going through his uh, his timeline. He just wrote something funny about Robin Black. He said, when I hear Robin Black say Bandea should fight for the belt next, when I finished him in 60 seconds, and he put all these emojis on there. He's a big emoji guy. Uh, patch mix, um, makes me laugh. Um, you know that it's an interesting point you bring up because Archuleta stays in excellent shape. His social media is just him working out that I've seen when it pops up. So yeah, you might be right. That could be a conditioning issue. But and Archuleta is an intelligent fighter. He knows how to. He couldn't close in on Pitbull, but that's the only guy like he could take him down. So you know, and Pitbull hits way harder than. Any bantamweight I can think of. Okay, so this is, listen, here's what he said. Um, on March 13th, I can't believe I fucking found this. March 13th, I canceled my flight to Albuquerque next week. I don't care if I have to confine myself to my house with just my punching bag. I'm evolving in my craft. I am not leaving my daughter's side for nothing. This is March 13th. Now, this is, so how many, how many months is that? That's almost... 
four or five months, maybe six months, uh, from the from that uh till the uh, I I'm really curious to know when he physically went back to Jackson Winkle John. I'm gonna ask him that when when I when at the pre-fight, uh, at the pre-fight comments. Because if if he says that oh he never left he never left his home and he just trained through Zoom and all that stuff, I would be very highly suspect. And here's the thing, he's a great fighter. I would not put him past that, but I don't, here's the thing, if I'm fighting Juan Archuleta, I'm not doing it through, I'm not preparing the fight through Zoom. That's my personal opinion. Oh, yeah, yeah, and I want also, you know, like, yeah, I mean, if or if he's just doing, like, some home training, if he's doing some weird-ass Tony Ferguson, like, stay-at-home training or something like that, I, I know, listen, I listen, I still think that Patchy Mix will win, but then I would be hesitant if he was says, oh, yeah, I just stay, I just trained at my house uh, uh, for this fight. I'd be like, oh, no, I bet on the wrong, I might be, I might be regretting my bet, because I'm pretty sure Juan Archuleta, um, where does he train in California again? Um, what, what's it? Yeah, yeah. Was that elevation? Team elevation, yeah. I know that team elevation. They have like they were training at like the the um at the coach's gym. I forgot what the uh the coach's guy's name was. Was it uh Ludwig? No, 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 no. He was at Alpha Male, right? Um. No, no, he left. He's. I think he is at elevation now. Okay. Yes. Yes. I think they were training Dwayne Ludwig's garage or something. Do you remember there was like I remember the, I remember seeing some video with Juan Archuleta, Dillashaw, uh, all training in a garage. I'm presuming it was Dwayne Ludwig's. Yeah, I think Raymond Daniels took a photo with him. He was down there. He was getting working. So I yeah, that's at least a little bit. You know, that's you know that's a little bit more than than confining yourself to your home and training. That's the thing I just really want to know, I, and I, I'm going to. Uh, I really need to. Uh, I need to find out about that from him. Uh, I'm gonna ask. That's, that's, yeah, that's my burning question uh, when I talk to him. Not tomorrow, but uh, Wednesday. But I think this is definitely. I, I'm curious to know, uh, Teep, out of the two cards, which do you? If somebody, if somebody said, "Hey, Teep, I only have time to watch one card. Which card do you think someone should choose?" I got you.
Do you think? Also, because here's the the big question I have also is because you know uh, the the uh, the uh, two forty six show is running up. Uh, I believe it's probably going up against uh, the UFC Fight Night show that day. I don't even know what fight what's the main event on that card because I think that that fight card had like five changes due to COVID or something. So do you think that this is you know do you think that uh, that having the fight because here's the thing I've always I've always worried is that whenever there's too much of, of one product, it splits the audience, or or it either, it splits the audience or people choose to to watch nothing. Do you think Bellator made a good decision to have two fight cards back to back, and with one of them going opposed to uh, UFC Fight Night at the, around the same time? Another two questions I have also: uh, Liz Carmouche taking on Diana Bennett, Bennett, excuse me, and Derek Campos. Uh, actually, yeah, as uh, Christian mentioned before, taking on Keone Diggs, uh, last-minute replacement. Any, are should these two fights at all be? What do you think about those two fights since they also ran out the main card? Uh-huh. Seriously, 
example from that level. His record is very, very dangerous against certain styles. So Diggs needs to bring his A game or it's a bad night. Exactly. Yeah, but I would say the fight on, on that card to watch. Davion Franklin, Rob Tilton. That fight is the one I'm like, I'm almost most hyped for that. Cause Franklin, he just looked like a destroyer of worlds. And it's hard to read a lot into a, a rookie fight. But some guys, you see him, you'd be like, jeez. I wouldn't want to be the other guy. He looked like he thought him down, like he stole money. So hopefully that fight will be a highlight. And the night before, fortune to get a big highlight. Or the other guy. I have nothing against the other guy. As long as some people are getting highlights, I'm a happy man. I just don't like shitty decisions. I mean, and I'd rather have my favorites lose by finish than win by a boring decision. None taken, I'm sure. Say again? None, I mean, I can understand that because of the fact that you would much rather see highlights rather than all the fights and the decisions. Yeah. Now, it's kind of like, well, it's kind of like, obviously, Andrew, we covered the two rising cars that took place about a month ago, and it was nearly all finishes on both cards. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. Um, I think that always works in Bellator's best interest, though, is when there's either that or you get, like, an outlaw uh, Piccoletti fight that gets people really talking. Problem is, is that, uh, you know, that, that that's anything else, unfortunately, hurts Bellator, um, uh, undeservedly, in my opinion. Um, and, uh, and I think that... Uh, I, 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 that's what I'm hoping is that you know imagine if, like if you have two back to back cards and they're just like they're all finishes that that would really be like the best thing that would be like legitimately the best thing that could happen uh, this week and get you know people you know it would be so funny though if like the patchy mix match does not go to a finish like ironically uh, and uh, suddenly like oh that that's like the most boring fight isn't that funny how that sometimes happens the most hype fights turn out to be the most boring. And then 
anything he could have said. He was like, I'm not striking this guy, but, you know, it hurt both their images. That's whatever. I forgave him because his next fight was awesome. Daly's awesome. His fight with Awad, his fight with, uh, who was it, Silva? Yeah, he has great fights. I mean, that's like his one glaringly boring fight. So I give, I give him a pass, but, you know, I'll never again say a fight is impossible that it was that bad. It changed my view of the sport. So, uh, Tifa, I guess one, one of the things I also want to ask you uh, briefly before we head out, uh, Bellator going to CBS Sports, I think it is? Just CBS Sports, but the CBS Sports Network with intentions on potentially doing events on Showtime or the CBS Television Network. Uh, is that good or bad? I don't know. I, I don't. I don't. I, I can't keep up with all these fucking sports networks. So I don't know. Is this is it good that they're leaving Paramount? I don't think they're going to be on the Zone anymore. That's that to me is a positive, at least. Well, I think that the Zone deal got maybe a little bit less than a year left. Zone has an option to renew, which I, I'm guessing they won't, because they, you know, the sports rights, the major sports, the streaming rights are going to be up. That's going to be their focus. It's always been their stated intention. Combat sports was bridging a gap, several year gap. So, but anyway, uh, yeah, it's a good thing. It's a great thing actually, especially as sh- you know, CBS, Viacom CBS has shares the right to the Strike Force footage. Now they don't have a lot of access. Fighters who are in strike force, or at least the, the Showtime CBS part of strike force, I should say. But that's important because that's also, you know, they just, when they broadcast that stuff, they're celebrating the history of the sport in a way that, like, Lufa owns a lot of footage and they, they're very careful about how they celebrate, what parts they celebrate in the sport. Uh-huh. You know, like, you'll see Fedor footage when they're hyping someone to beat Fedor, but you won't just see them celebrate him with all the footage they own. Not, not unless it benefits them, like like a week event on a week long event or something on on Fight You know what I mean? They're careful about it. So CBS, Viacom, so like the Bellator parent company having access to Strikeforce footage is fantastic because it reminds fans who may not otherwise know. Yeah, Coca found a lot of this talent. The people you've been watching on pay per view, the people they're saying are like they tr- kind of treat like the UFC product. They've been eating off Strike Force for years, which is just part of the cycle. Because Strike Force was eating off the elite after they absorbed them. You know, everyone was I mean elite and pro elite. Exactly, they bought them out. That's how they got uh, Nick Diaz and Cyborg to come out today, and others. So everyone was eating everyone back in the day, and then Lorenzo and Frank Jr. ate everybody, practically. But then uh, by well, except. With the obvious exception being Dream and Pride. Well, actually, they ate up Pride. They didn't eat up Dream or Sengoku. That's true. I don't mean everybody, everybody, but I mean they kept, they managed to gather a lot of the talent by reducing the options they had for bidders to where they could bid the best and get a lot of the talent that were spread out. Like back in the old promoter wars, the talent was very much and it was awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I, it happens again. It's spread out again today. Mm-hmm. It's just people don't recognize it, but it's the reality. 
Well, Teef, how does how how will the average layperson be able to watch uh, Bellator going forward? Uh, I, does it? I think it starts this month. I think. Well, so I'm not fully caught up on it because I watch everything on the zone, prelims on YouTube. So I don't. But I think I don't know. I guess that's a cable thing. I don't know if they have an app. I really couldn't say. But it's gonna be like I don't know. I think I can answer that for you. I think I can answer that for you because they have they have their own little streaming channel on this app called Pluto TV, which is owned by Viacom CBS and Tint. Then they also have their own social media platforms, which I'm gonna go ahead and give the plugs out now. They're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube at Bellator MMA. So a lot of the coverage, a lot of the fight content, they also put up there as well. And they also have the Bellator streaming app as well, which you can get for iOS and Android, which, of course, features a lot of old-school fight footage that you will probably see on that Pluto channel. So there's that. Yeah, I've been watching on Pluto. I've seen some good cards on there. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's interesting that Viacom owns it. I did not know that. I didn't that know that Viacom owned Pluto either. I did not know that. I just thought there was some independent uh, streaming service that happened to just get all this uh, TVs and movies for free and all that stuff. It was, but then I think around late last year, I don't know if it was late last year or around the late summer of 2019, they basically bought out Pluto TV. They being... Viacom CBS. Ah, okay, so they were independent, but then they were bought out. Yeah. Oh, okay. Independent, but were bought out. The crazy thing about it is, you got all these other promotions that have Pluto TV deals like Combate Americas and Impact Wrestling and BN Sports, which pairs MLW. I see. So, oh, yeah, and Glory Kickboxing as well. I almost forgot about them, but then again, who hasn't forgotten about them unless you're Dutch? <laughs> yeah, I've watched one of them. Uh-huh. But yeah, point of the matter is, there's a lot of other options outside of, you know, Bellator that's on, on that particular thing called Pluto TV. And I mean, to be honest, I'm not surprised that, you know, Viacom CBS bought it out, but this gives impact
again, it's much easier to win someone over when you're not charging them to check it out. You know, like they don't play the new cards on, like that I've seen yet on the Pluto channel. They, you know, like you're too old, the cards, oh, it's been a mix, but they're not like, I don't think they immediately replay unless that's just something I haven't caught. They play a lot of cool stuff. You know, it's good, it's entertaining. I think it's just from the main card, so I, I don't remember seeing stuff that looked like prelims. Right. It's been really good and it's been free, so I just put it on when I'm showing in the living room. Even if I'm not watching TV, I just put it on. Miles' voice has an out over over some finish. Cause I, I can listen to his voice. Like, I can sleep to his voice, I imagine. Like the way people have those wave machines. I just have Morrow yelling about someone gets knocked out. <laughs> yeah, and that would make for some nice little dreams to, you know, enjoy and talk about. <laughs> yeah, and I just want to mention, I know people give Big John such a hard time. I don't think he's nearly as bad as people try to say. I, maybe they're just showing off or it grinds on them and I'm just amused. But uh, I like a guy who knows technique and knows the rules and can critique a ref decision in real time because he is an authority. I like that a lot. He doesn't make a lot of mistakes about the rules for the help of craftsmen. Pretty, I thought it was a good hire on their part. It gets a lot of shit, but I don't, I don't think it's quite so. Well, here's, here's what, I, I tune them out, and also I'll get the events so I won't hear them as well. Well, actually, no, that's a lie. I can I can hear them a lot because they're yelling huge on commentary. I don't know if John McCarthy is bad or not. I can't tell because I just tune him out. But the hate for Goldberg is totally like it's totally out of this world. It's it, it's it's really like absurd. It's it, like listen. The only reason why he's hated is because he's not he's not in uh, UFC anymore. Now here's the thing as well. I don't know if if um if Morrow plans to come back as well. I know he just quit uh, WWE. I don't know if that means he's going to start working more at Bellator or any boxing shows going forward. Um, he's going to, to be honest, I think he's going to probably do a mix of both because the next boxing card that he's planning on doing, I think that's in October, and it's going to feature the Charlo twins in the headliners. Gotcha. Okay. So that maybe they'll use him for some, like, big Bellator shows, like, you know, some, like, I don't know, heavyweight tile matches or something like that. I don't know. Um, I guess the other question I got to ask you, uh, Teep, is, so um, if, uh, if the rumors are true that Brock's a free agent, if you're Scott Coker, do you go to Paramount and be like, get the money for Brock, bring that Brinks truck to his, uh, his, his uh, cabin in uh, Winnipeg or Canada, wherever the fuck he is? No. He's in Saskatchewan. Saskatoon, first of all. Okay. But no, I don't think that Bellator would be... I mean, because everybody probably already knows, when the WWE wants him, he's going to be ready to go back to them. But I don't think that he goes to Bellator. Hell, I don't even think he goes to Ryzen. And that's basically a pipe dream. Oh, yeah. I don't think well, he goes to any I, MMA I promotion. I don't think he goes to any MMA promotion out of fear that, you know, USADA might still be on his ass. I would say that you don't go to Paramount, or you skip Paramount, you go straight to whatever high-level executive at Viacom CBS, and you very 
very emphatically get them to make a healthy bid. The reason is Rock Crusader is a fight you put on CBS is massive. I mean, massive, earth-shatteringly big. And also, drop, like, I hate to even say this out loud, but Fedor at his age now is an easier fight than, say, John Jones, who we know they let take a bunch of steroids. So for Brock Lesnar, you come up with big enough money, Brock's looking at the two fights. John Jones is not an old man, even if his testicles are shrunken from too many steroids. He's not an old man. Fedor is an old man. So Brock could look at that and be like, look, I can fight the guy a lot of people call the greatest ever heavyweight, and he's old as shit. And I can maybe win this fight instead of fighting a young guy. Probably within 90 seconds, by the way. Right, but also CBS and the money and Viacom, Viacom CBS behind it. I mean, so I would say, yeah, if you're Bellator, you, you go to the executives and you say, look, you need to come up with like $4 million, like a big investment, like a, this is like a long-term investment. Flash you can make, you'll maybe never have an opportunity to make this particular kind of splash. Because once the, once the greatest of all times retires, that's it. So it's a one. So you're basically a one-time fight deal with Brock, and it's Brock versus Fedor is what you're saying. You have, you have Brock versus Fedor as the main card. Then you have Nemkov in the title defense as the co-main. And if you could time it out, you have Moldaski challenging at heavyweight, and you have Tokov challenging at middleweight. If you could somehow do it, you do like all Fedor teams, maybe even in Russia on CBS. You just find a way to work. Well, it, here's the other question as well, though. Question I have uh, that that's a good point, Christian. But here's an even bigger point I want to I want to posit to Teep. Do you save that for when post pandemic? I feel like you can't you can't do Fedor versus Brock in a pandemic era. I really don't think you can. I think it's it would be incredibly stupid to put that on in front of no audience. To tell you the truth. I think that's what this fight is, but, you know, it could be Barnett, Fatal 
Uh, I don't know. I think that, I don't know. I think I feel like Barnett with the whole. Would be good as long as it's not as long as it's not J.K. versus Fedor. <laughs> I'll God, tell you, God. I'd be more interested in that. I, I I don't know. I think that Barnett's time as an MMA fighter is, is long gone. The the fight that he was supposed to have, what was it last year against Ronnie Marks in Hawaii? Like where the fuck happened? That got canceled and like. Something weird happened with that between both of them or something. Like, one got sick or something with the weight cut. No. Barnett got sick prior yeah, to the that, fight. Then, they, then they, he was booked to fight again, and then he had some kind of medical issue or he didn't send his medical. Yeah, it, it, it seems like Fedor Barnett slipped away from us, but I, I, I'm not going to hold out hope. I mean, I'm going to hold out hope. I was, Fedor Hager is more interesting because of its freak show background. You have a pro wrestler uh, of now MMA fighter. Well, actually, still a pro wrestler, I should say. Uh, taking on, I think I think that it's kind of like one of those like one of those things that 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 would get people tuning in because it's kind of just like a wacky fight. Yeah, but I think you know I think they're likely to match him up yeah. Well, when they say the retirement tour, you know, it's not going to be like a passing report type of. Not that Hager's young, but he's young in the fight game. They're not going to like be like, go take, go beat Fedor's ass. And I think, I think it's more likely Fedor's going to fight someone who's also old. And it's not going to be a Russian. He doesn't want to fight Russian, so it won't be Andrew Benjamin, Reading Roberts. Oops. Damn it, Robert. I'm so sorry. It's So okay, that's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I, I if if you're if you're at Barnett's age and you know let's be honest, he hasn't always been the healthiest. You know, always I, I'll say competing the healthiest. I'll say, um, given that he's been uh, busted twice for steroids, um, I think that uh, I don't know. It might be just you know his body just can't keep up with it anymore. Yeah, but hey, Verdum is a free agent, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's another fight. It's not as big as Brock Fedor. No, absolutely not. For the, but for the fight fans, especially Fedor fans, who want to see him avenge that and doesn't, don't care how old he is, they are. He just They just want to see Fedor spark any version of Verdum. I'm one of them. That would instantly become, like now that Fedor Chael happened, that was actually my dream fight for years and years, Fedor Chael. Once that happened... Went over. 
Well, with that being said, Steve, any any last minute thoughts on two forty five, two forty six that you want to give before we head out? No, great card, both worth worth watching. Uh, Davis Machida winner should be fighting Nemkov, and uh, the winner of Archuleta Mix versus either Haraguchi or the winner of Gentleman Josh Hill and Baby Pettis. I think that I think they should fight. And then uh, lastly. Fitch Gracie winner versus Amazov for a title shot. And then, so like we have like Lima fighting with Vasily and MVP fight Larkin. They're about to announce his fight. It needs to be Larkin or Koreshkov or it's bullshit, right? Right, right, of course. Oh, let's say decide to do something with MVP. Who knows? versus uh, Archuleta. Really like, you know, Bellator gets a lot of, un, a lot of, a lot, a lot of, a lot of shit slung at them for, for various reasons. And a lot of, I'll say 95% of the time I don't agree with it. But this is a case of where, you know, you, where you can tell the haters or people who just hate Bellator just because it's Bellator that, you know what? They booked a perf a match that makes perfect sense uh, booking-wise. If they had uh, rankings, I'm sure you could argue rankings-wise that it makes sense. It's a compelling fight, uh, considering the the how how far how the the uh, win streaks of both Archuleta and uh, Mix are in terms of it's like perfectly booked. It's perfectly booked. Hopefully, it's a great fight though in the end. Yeah, I think you know if it's a, if it's a five round war, I'll be very happy. I'll just be happy if the fight happens. Dying. Time now, but also, you know, I have a feeling it's going to be a fast fight, like a quick finish. Maybe even going the other way. Maybe even Archuleta. He has a lot of power, and he's tricky. He's got a lot of he's got a lot of moves. So if Mix can't close the gap effectively, he 
might get caught early. I don't really think this is going to go the whole way. I think we're going to see some highlight reel. And, uh, yeah, that's definitely my fight. Although Fitch Gracie, man, Fitch Gracie is just one of those pilots. I want to see a fit. Who is deadly from the bottom? Who wants to be on the bottom? Well, both fights. But uh, that's all I got to say. For now, I've said too much. But, yeah, might as well go ahead and finish this off, right? Who is not? Okay. Well, like I said before, you can check us out on Twitter at ChrisGary92, at abenjam one at T to the junk or at we are rising pop you can also check us out on youtube we're also available for your podcast needs on stitcher spotify stitcher spotify podbean and any and all podcast provide well hopefully soon any and all podcast providers of choice and also if you want to check out more about bellator mma you can do so following them on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or subscribing to their YouTube channel at MMA. But other than that, <coughs> sorry, it's been fun talking with y'all. We hope y'all enjoyed this podcast, and we're thankful that you're actually spending your time listening to us, spending part of your time listening to us. And if y'all already listen, oh, well, actually. It's already past September 11th or September 12th. Feel free to watch those events back on your DVR or however you record them because these fights are going to be can't miss material. These fights are definitely worth watching. And if you're not going to be watching them, what the, what the hell are you really going to be doing? <laughs> Anyways, we are back here. For Teeth to the Junk and Andrew Benjamin, I'm Chris Gary. Thank you for listening to another edition of the We Are Rising podcast. And as Lenny Hart always likes to say, 